Don't turn it off now. You need this stuff. Tampa Bay's Tantalk Radio Network. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hey guys, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you know I dig stuff out of the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Well, I'll tell you what, there's a shop in town specializing in vintage, retro, mid-century collectibles. Everything from toys, games, pinball machines, video games, fashion items, TV lunch boxes, slot cars, models, and more. Bobby, what's the name of that store? The, the Cool Shop. Shop. Yes, located at 9265 Seminole Boulevard in Seminole, Florida. Give them a shout, 727-201-9489. TheCoolShop.com. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car's been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. I remember back when I was four or five years old, holding my dad's hand and watching the legends of the sports. And it was just gladiators getting in these machines that were so unimaginable that made me want to go out and race. It's insane what we do, but what makes NHRA racing so special is the intensity. It's like being a manic depressant. It's just the highs of highs and the lows of lows. Well, it's perfect for my attention span. It's three and a half seconds of bad to the bone. I get to four seconds and I'm like, ah, squirrel, parachutes, that's it. Thought of throwing all these old macho race car drivers tell you what it's like. You are hanging on for your life. You're talking four to five G's like the space shuttle when it leaves the start. Like being strapped to a rocket, you're getting over 320 miles an hour in just four seconds. You know, it's music to my ears. Once I hear that starter spin over and hit the ignition switch, then it's, uh, it's time to roll. I get to go do a lot of other racing with some pretty cool race car drivers, some of the best in the world. They'll drive anything, but when you bring them out to a drag race, when you offer them to jump into a 10,000 horsepower funny car like I drive, they shake their head and they said, not a chance. Whether on the start line or in the stands, the ground shakes underneath you. It's that kind of horsepower that you're feeling. It's unbelievable. It's a runaway freight train. cars are animals, so you definitely have to respect them. No matter how comfortable you become or how confident you get, these things will turn around and slap you in the face and, uh, and make you look stupid. The first time I ever got in one of these cars, I was scared to death. I've, you know, driven super comp cars, I've driven A-fuel cars, but this is a whole different monster. When I hit the throttle, it parked me in the seat. It shoved me back, and it was a G-force. That thing was carrying the front end, it was trucking. It's just an unbelievable piece of equipment and the fact that these crew guys can tear it down, rebuild a motor uh, in just under an hour uh, in between each round is pretty unbelievable. We're giving the fans pit access to watching these monsters get built, watching them get raced, watching them get torn apart again by the best men and women in the world that work on cars. Every ticket gets you right in here to the pit area. That's something that's uh, really unique that this sport has to offer over any stick and ball sport and certainly over any other motorsport. You know, it's easy to win well, but nobody likes losing. And I have a hard time walking over and say, hey, good job beat me, buddy. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to do that. I care too much about it to lose easily like that. You're about to maybe make history. The sky's the limit, and, uh, and I love where it's headed. This is built for drag racing, short, effective, and nasty. There's NASCAR, there's IndyCar, there's F1. 
There's outlaw racing. I'm not taking anything away from them, but the real difference is drag racing. It's the ride of a lifetime. Tonight on Nostalgic Cars and Radios. It's No, it's Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Oh, yeah, that's right. Hey, this is Tammy Edelbrock, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, listeners, welcome. You are tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers and Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studio in downtown Clearwater. And uh, don't forget to check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com. If you've missed any of our past shows, you can visit our archive page, Nostalgic Radio and Cars, which can be found on our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com. Or, I think, right, Bobby, can we just say you can Google NostalgicRadioAndCars.com? Will that pull it up? That would be a safe bet, too. That would be a safe bet, too. So, uh, good evening. There's lots of ways to get to it. There's lots of ways to do it. Okay, Bobby, why don't you go ahead and uh, good evening, by the way. Oh, hello. And uh, go ahead and do the social media honors, please. Yes, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn, at NostalgicRadioAndCars, and at NRC on air, and now on Instagram at GolfstreamMotorsports. Yeah, okay, well, hey, we're back in town. It's been four or five, let's see, when did I leave here? I left uh, last Wednesday, right after our show, well, the next morning, and drove to Amelia Island for a fun-filled Amelia Island weekend. Amazing stuff going on there. There was uh, five auctions, four, five. Actually, there was, let's see, there was Bonhams, there was Goodings, there was RM, there was Motostalgia, and, of course, Hollywood Wheels, Friday and Saturday, the all-Porsche auction, and uh, Amelia Island Select, the uh, classic car auction, and, of course, yours truly was a reader there. So, uh, pretty cool stuff, amazing cars, amazing sales. We sold two cars for over, well over a million dollars. We sold a 1957 Mercedes, perfectly restored Mercedes, 300CE, CE, SC Cabriolet, for a million two, and then we sold a 1991 Ferrari Ferrari F40 for a million one, and uh, pretty cool. In fact, the guy, the gentleman that bought that, then uh, later purchased a 930 for his son to drive. So that was pretty cool. And of course, my old 930 was there, my 86 930, which was owned by somebody. And I didn't even have to read the text that I wrote for that one. I just moved around the stage there, around the podium, and I just kind of ad libbed that one. Next day, some guy walks up and goes, Robert, that was a touching story. <laughs> so, anyway, so what we got going on this weekend? Oh, and then, of course, the concourse, due to bad weather, was moved to Saturday. And a big, big, big shout-out to Bill Warner because I don't think anybody on the planet could have pulled off moving a concourse, a full-blown concourse with 300-plus cars, vendors, guests, spectators, everybody on Saturday with, like, the perfect day, the perfect weather, the perfect cars, incredible. Nobody even knew that the date had been changed and that the event had been moved. I mean, it was absolutely flawless, a success. So, again, big shout-out to Bill Warner, founder at Amelia Island Concourse. Amazing job. Wow. All right, so here's what we've got going on this weekend. This weekend, the Amelie Oil Gator Nationals. Yes, 17th, 18th, and 19th. So all you drag racing fans definitely want to check this out. Also this weekend, yeah, when I say 17th, 18th, and 19th, so that's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, also this weekend, again, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, is down in our own backyard again, a little bit south of Gainesville, like about four hours, is the Sebring 12-hour race. Can't miss that. Coming up next weekend, next weekend is Festivals of Speed at the Mission Inn in Howie in the Hills, one of our favorite hangouts, right, Bobby, in Lake County? That's right. That's right. And for you guys down here in Clearwater is the fourth annual Cruise in the Capital Car Show. Yes, big shout-out to Brianna and her team. They're putting this great, great show on. Unfortunately, we won't be able to make it because Bobby and I are committed to work up at uh, the Mission Inn for Festivals of Speed. And a big shout-out to uh, one of our, let's just say, affiliate radio stations. And uh, they should be playing our show. And I just checked it out, and we would like to welcome the cities of Leesburg, Eustace, Howie in the Hills, Yalaha, Mount Dora. Okahooka! The Villages. villages, And um, much of... Other places in Central Florida to the great coverage of Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Yeah, so a big shout-out to WQQ, I'll say this right, the Q, 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 <laughs> the Q, QBQ, 1410, AM 1410 up in Leesburg, Florida. So a big shout-out to James and his team up there. So uh, we're glad that they're uh, running our show, and hopefully we can uh, work with these guys in the future. And they will be at 
Festival of Festival Speed. Speed at the Mission. Hopefully they'll set up a little uh, tent there. On the 26th of April. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and we will have some radio show giveaway tickets for anybody. You can call into our station, which is 727-441-3000. Let me just pitch my head here so I can or read I it. I can read it too. Yeah, why don't you read it? 866-826-1340. That's 866-826-1340. Anybody that wants to call in, we have an endless supply of tickets for anybody that would like to drive to Howie in the Hills and experience Festivals of Speed at the Mission Inn. What an amazing resort. That is actually one of our favorite places in the state of Florida. There's also the drive on a Saturday. Yeah, the really? side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also uh, coming up is the, uh, what's they call it, the Sunshine Something Boat Show that's up there, the antique boat show up in Mount Dora? Yes, and I believe that if you go to the website, thefestivalsofspeed.com, that there is a partnership and there is a deal, I believe, where you purchase a ticket to for the drive and you get to go see some boats as well. So check that out. That may have only been for the, uh, that may be over now, but... um. Festivalsofspeed.com. Okay, super. Now, Bobby, why don't you go ahead and spin the uh, turntable because we have two special guests coming on for you this weekend. We have a lovely lady that is an NHRA top fuel dragster racer and champion, I might add. And then we have another up-and-coming young star. He's an IMSA GTP racer from a uh, noted line of family racers. So, hey, you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. This is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hey guys, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio Cars, and you know I dig stuff out of the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Well, I'll tell you what, there's a shop in town specializing in vintage, retro, mid-century collectibles. Everything from toys, games, pinball machines, video games, fashion items, TV lunch boxes, slot cars, models, and more. Bobby, what's the name of that store? The, the Cool Shop. Shop. Yes, located at 9265 Seminole Boulevard in Seminole, Florida. Give them a shout, 727-201-9489. TheCoolShop.com. The cool 
may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car has been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Hi, this is Shirley Cha-Cha Muldowney, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back, ladies and gentlemen, race fans. Hey, this weekend is the Gator National, the Amelie Gator National. And uh, we got a very special guest for you this evening. I'm delighted to welcome to the show tonight a bright and shining, up-and-coming star, NHRA Top Fuel lady dragster driver herself the always lovely and talented leah pritchard leah are you there i am i am thanks so much for having me on love to have you on you know what the first time i saw you was actually in person was uh at the nhra um women's driving drag racing breakfast nhra deal there at sema did i say that right i don't know close right yeah that was that was pretty close. I think uh, NH, uh, the women of the NHRA breakfast, and I remember a lot about that day. Actually, um, I also remember it was uh, week of Vegas, of course, SEMA, and I think we were you know live, and there were uh, close to I heard two thousand people in the room at seven a.m. for that breakfast. So I, I was expecting like maybe like a couple hundred, maybe two or three hundred walk in there and I was like, this is one of the biggest rooms I've ever seen. It's like an auditorium. Yeah. It was, it was a good time. Excellent. So what were your thoughts? What was going through your mind? I mean, you actually got a chance to sit up there and talk and you were with a racing legend herself, Shirley Muldowney. So what was that like? And as well as some contemporaries of yours. It was, it was incredible. So usually for functions like that, NHRA and SEMA work really well together and they plan out that, you know, those types of breakfasts. So I remember getting the invite back in July very excited about it, you know, uh, had things planned out throughout the day for everyday meetings and things. Well, since that July into November, a lot of things had transpired. So I was I was looking forward to just kind of talking it up with Erica Enders, uh, Shirley, Courtney, about the health of the sport, things like that, where actually that week before was my last race of the season. I was racing uh, for Dote Racing, a single privateer independent top field team and we were sponsored by gum out and sparkling ice and i was in the process of renewing our gum out sponsorship for 2016 i think would have been for 2016 and uh and i had i had got the news the finalized news during that race week right before SEMA, that we were they were unable to renew um they had some internal things that they were working out and you know hopefully they would be able to come back into motorsports, but they couldn't come back. Well, our team was already running a limited schedule, and basically that well, my team owners had to make an executive decision and pull the plug. So I hear this news, and I personally deliver it to all of my crew during the race weekend, and, you know, that's that's never a fun thing to do. A, you know, your entire career path is now <clears throat> someone at a halt. B, you're informing your crew guys they no longer have jobs and see, I'm, all right, well, I have this speaking engagement, and now in front of 2,000 people talking about drag racing, and I used that opportunity to share about that season and what I was going through, and so my mind, my goals had switched at SEMA from really enjoying the car culture and, you know, working and signing for uh, companies I was representing to kicking it into high gear of, I'm, I need, I, I need to find, uh, you know, proper funding and marketing partners for our season. So and that's what that's what I recall from that day. And I, I, I one second thing I remember most notably about it that I didn't hear uh, until after until after that breakfast was I went there like I would normally. Um, it's a high class event and I go with a long pencil skirt high heels, nice button-up polo, all my, um, you know, representing my team and my partners. And I believe I definitely was the most overdressed person there. The other three or four women were wearing pants, I think maybe vans, and maybe I think surely she had on some high heels. And I thought, you know what, I may be the most overdressed person here, 
but I'm the only one looking for a job. I'm the only one looking to, uh, you know, to to speak with people I've never spoken with before and progress, uh, you know, my team in this fashion. So I thought I was the only one that thought that way, where I guess a couple, let's take it 10 years ago back, Gary Selzy was invited to the same type of function at SEMA, NHRA breakfast with, uh, with Star Drivers. And at that point, he was in a transition of, of finding new funding. And he went there in, I don't want to say a suit, but he, I think it was every bit of close to a suit. And while the other ones there, you know, were in just maybe normal attire. And I guess the moral of that story is it's okay to overdress. It's okay to, um, or, or in my, in my case, dress for the occasion. And, uh, that was one little lesson learned that I, that I liked a lot. And right after that, as soon as I left that breakfast, a gentleman had uh, come up to me and said, Hey, Leah, I don't, I know you don't know me. I was sitting next to somebody at the table and he's interested in, he heard your story. He's interested in his company being involved um, with your program gave me his business card or the person who's sitting next to his business card. And we continued to talk for the next couple of months to put a program together. Uh, but it ended up having to be really B2B based. And, and I learned a lot about it, but you never know who you're going to, te- who you're going to reach, who you're going to, you know, like you, for instance. Yes. Yes. Well, Leah, let me tell you this. When you were on stage, quite frankly, and I was standing back there with a couple other media guys and some people I know. Actually, I was sitting up in like the second table back because that's where the media guys are. You were a class act. When you came walking out on stage, now, no disrespect to anybody else because they're all kind of casual. But the way you came out and your presentation was, was, was first class. And nobody really suspected what was going on. Nobody knew besides you just right now kind of revealing that. And then, of course, at the... At the while you were on stage, you talked about that. You referenced the fact that you lost your sponsor and you're looking for a new sponsor. And you talked about the trials and tribulations and how difficult it is to get a sponsor, particularly for racing, because you know uh, the sponsors look for what do we get for our dollar. That's kind of what they, but they have no idea how many millions it takes to fund a racing program. You know, for a season. So you did a, your presentation, your 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 presence there, the way you conveyed yourself. Hats off, you did a great job. No, I appreciate that. Um, no, I've I've learned and watched a lot of really respectable people in the industry, and and some that you would think are you know maybe a little bit outside the box. I think what I've taken away is being real, and like I didn't didn't have a didn't have a script, didn't have an outline about what I was going to talk about, and people are afraid to talk about the health of any uh, of any discipline if it's negative, right? Everybody wants to talk about all the great things, and I was not in a position to talk about the great things. The fact that Gumout had left um, the series and my team, that's people would shy away from something like that, where someone like me, when we're doing good and and numbers are up and like, like the TV ratings are now for Fox Sports and our lives, and our attendance, and we're selling out, you know, we're selling out races, what NHRA has done to, to get in new sponsors. Like, when it when it's going good, I'm going to tell you about it. You know what? When it's going bad, I'm going to tell you about it, too, because that's real life. That's just, I feel like that's what some of the different motorsports, or even sports in general, um, lack, and the ones that may not, maybe the most popular drivers, maybe not the most popular athletes, whatever it may be, um, people want to know what's going on real. And yes. that's something that I can, I think that I'm always going to be able, I promised myself that I would deliver that because I was always a fan. I always wanted to know. I'm still a fan. So um, that's, that's, that's how I look at things. Super. All right, we got a few minutes here. And what I'd like to do is two things. One, I want to cover a little bit about your very, very early days, how you got into the sport. And then we'll we'll jump into um, your last two wins coming off Pomona, coming off, uh, Phoenix here. So tell us a little bit how you got started. You were, you got, got into, uh, what they call, um, junior dragster racing, right? Is that how you kind of started? That's right. Exactly. So my parents, then they didn't come from any drag racing lineage, so to speak. My dad was a, he was a famed street racer, to be totally honest, in Southern California, uh, before, before he had kids, my sister, she's four years older than me. So He's like, all right, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take it a little bit safer. I'm gonna go land speed racing. So he chased a goal uh, at the Salt Flats and at El Mirage, 
being the Ford, um, the fastest Ford powered Thunderbird at 257 miles an hour. And then he thought, you know what? I'm raising a family. I want to do something with them that's fun. Doesn't cost a lot of money. Motorsports, uh, junior drag racing. It was just an upcoming thing. My sister did it. She was terrible at it. My dad yelled at her all the time. I'm like, man, that doesn't look like fun at all. Like, <laughs> I don't want. I don't want anything to do with that. I'm just tagging along as like a four year old, five year old at the races. And um, then, then as siblings do, you want what your older sibling has. Like she has a little five horsepower Briggs and Stratton pull string gasoline motor running like 18 seconds in an eighth mile. Like, well, I want to try that. And so I did. So I can't say that, like, you know, I put my foot down and my first love and passion was drag racing. It was something that I had learned and my sister and I then became better off of each other. She learned from my mistakes. I learned from hers. And then, then we got really competitive. Uh, we, we started racing across the country. Um, I went on like a little bit of homeschool for a little while because we took our compet- our racing so competitive. So by this time I'm like, I'm like 10, 12 years old. And then once I got into my teen years and I was attending national events you know, with my friends at like Pomona, like the winter nationals, really loving the sport that I was doing and watching these people go 300 miles an hour. I mean, I'm the person that stood in line at the hot dog on a six stand for 30 minutes in the sun, to, you know, you know what I mean? To pay $25 for a lemonade and a, <laughs> and a, and a hot dog. And then, stand in line for an hour for Tony Schubacher's autograph. Like, that was me. So uh, then from there, my dad and I and my uh, and my mom, my sister helped a little bit too. We, we built a Nostalgia Eliminator 1 car. That was a 32 Bantam Roadster, big block Chevy, and we bracket raced that 180 miles an hour. Then we thought, well, we, let's let's go big, but we don't have any money. How do, how do we go big with no money? <laughs> so <laughs> at this point... I just, I'm graduating high school, I'm in college, working, going through college for my communications and marketing degree to learn how to find sponsors and be valuable, right? And I landed my very first big sponsor, which was Dickies, and got enough funding together to build a nostalgia funny car, 250 miles an hour, and run that with my, with my family. We ran on nitro, and then from there was able to from there the sport just got so insanely expensive i didn't have the i didn't have the know-how to be quite honest of how to give even more value to ask for more money and to give more value out or give more value back so i ended up driving for steve pluger found additional funding for that we won the 2010 world championship of nostalgia funny car in the hot rod heritage series and after that, I got an opportunity to drive Pro Mod for R2B2, which was one of the best choices and opportunities of my life because those cars are scary. I don't know if some of our listeners are familiar with Pro Mods or not, but they're extremely ill-handling, extremely fun to drive, of course. But you take a you take a nitrous car versus a turbo versus, I mean, blown, and it's all within a class that's trying to create and maintain parity but still heads up racing in a short wheelbase, four linked, you know, car. And, uh, and then from there, because I'd made it known so vast and large that I wanted to be a professional nitro racer, I turned that opportunity into racing then for the dotes and, and got gum out. After that, raced for uh, Bob Vandergriff Racing until that, that team had an unfortunate turn last year and had to dissolve. But before it dissolved last April, I had captured my very first top fuel win in Phoenix. And since then, <laughs> this last year has been one of um, the most up and down, I you could say, from my team crashed. I don't want to say crashed. My team dissolved last year, and I refused to give up and maintain points. And through that, collaborated with Don Schumacher, and we were able to build what we have today which is the Papa John dragster full-time schedule. And because of our success in the past two races, which have been the opener of the season of the Melio series at Pomona, our team qualified on the pole. We won the race. 
We went straight over to Phoenix for the next weekend, or about, whatever, 10 days in between, and uh, qualified on the pole again, and we won that race. That is the first time in history, in all of NHRA top fuel history, that anybody has ever qualified twice the first two races and won, more or less any of that female stuff. So we are... We just loaded up. Like, I, I just got back from the shop about a half an hour ago. We're loaded up. Rigs are rolling at 5 a.m. in the morning, headed down to the Gator Nationals to the third of the 24 events on the series. And another first, I guess, for me is I'll, I'll be the first instance, Big Daddy Don Garlitz, to represent the Mopar brand at, um, at the Gator Nationals. So that's kind of a big deal. Well, I'll tell you what. Congratulations on all your efforts. I hope you do the same thing. I hope you make it a three-peat. Now, we're just about out of time. I'm very thankful that you came on the show. What I'd like to do in the future here, a couple months down the road, I'd like to maybe have you come on maybe midway through the year. Give us kind of like an update. We'll do a special show just with you alone, and we'll get a great, you know, we'll be able to do some nice long interviews. Why don't you go ahead and plug your racing team and let everybody know how they can find out about you, how they can follow you on social media. Sure, absolutely. I mean, thank you for having me, of course. And I Every day I'm I'm on their uh, Instagram is Leah Pritchett underscore T S that's L E A H P R I T C H E T T Twitter Leah Pritchett T S and uh, Facebook the same Leah Pritchett T S but I do have video blogs that are on my site leahpritchett.com where we have apparel and our team with Don Schumacher Racing is the Papa John's Fire and Mopar Pennzoil Sparkling Ice Top Field Dragster I know it's a lot but it takes a lot of people for what we do and uh, and that's that, and that's what all all of this is for. So I appreciate everyone that listens in, listens in and supports the racers. That's um, it helps make what we do possible and provide the entertainment that we do. Excellent. Well, Leo, I look forward to meeting you this weekend. Hopefully, I either going to be there. My son and I are either going to be there Friday or we're going to be there Sunday for sure. So again, the best of luck. Qualify on the pole, win the race. <laughs> right. It sounds real simple. But. <laughs> it sounds simple. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Hey, I want to thank my special guest, Leah Pritchard. Be sure and follow her. She'll be at the Gator Nationals this weekend. Leah, have a very good afternoon. Thank you very much. Thank you. Talk to you later. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Bobby, so uh, we got uh, some music queued up here? Yes, we do. All right, let's play a little music, and let's get our next rising racing star on the show here at Nostalgic Waiting Cars. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back.
Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgia Video and Cars. Frustrated looking for car shows? Want the latest in automotive news? How about videos and podcasts? Well, check out Speed Culture, the comprehensive automotive app now available on Google Play and the App Store. Speed Culture brings you motorsports event listings based on your current location. Speed Culture also brings you the latest news feeds, videos, podcasts, and more. Speed Culture, the automotive enthusiast mobile app. For more information, check out speedcultureapp.com and download it today. Hi, this is Bob Varsha. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back. New tune into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. It's time to introduce our next rising star in the IMSA world. Okay, my next guest is uh, was part of the team that won the 24-hour of Daytona this year. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this afternoon, Jordan Taylor. Jordan, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. How you doing, buddy? Good, how about you? So you're in Orlando. You're like in, the, in our backyard. That's great. Yeah, where are you? And we're in Clearwater. Yeah, I think my brother rides his bike out there every now and then. <laughs> he rides his bike out there. Okay. Well, so tell us a little bit about uh, your rising stardom here. I mean, you've done very well. Well, you you actually come from a uh, from a very well known family. You know, Wayne Taylor, your dad, is uh, has been is is set numerous records. Uh, you know, through the eighties, nineties, and uh, well known racer and in, in, in my generation anyway. And now, uh, you know. You and your brother are coming up, doing very, very well. So uh, tell us a little bit about what it's like to uh, follow in your father's footsteps. Yeah, well, obviously we, we grew up around the sport. Uh, I was I was born here in 91, and just kind of, just kind of launched my dad's career in North America was, was back in 91 when he was driving with Fred Miller. And, uh, we kind of just grew up around the racetrack, Ricky and I going to the track with my mom, kind of just hanging out. And kind of when my dad retired from the driving side back, Back with the last Cadillac program in 2002, 2003, um, that's when Ricky and I really started getting interested in racing and got into go-karting and took a barber racing school and then uh, in the sports cars. So it was kind of a normal, it was kind of weird for us, I guess, in a normal family. You know, you grew up in smaller football, but for us, we grew up around racing and it was just kind of like the progression from, you know, one step to the next. Interesting. Now, uh, Tell us about this year, this season here. Now you, you're you're running the GTP car, but before that, you were actually running the GT, I guess GT3 or GT, uh, the GTE class, which I guess replaced what GT1, GT2. Some I kind of lost track of all that stuff because when ALMS and G and and Grand Am were kind of playing their game, so to speak, that was kind of messing you guys up too a little bit. So what the, what you started like around 2013, something like that. Is that when you started racing? Uh, I did my first 24 hour in 2008. Um, and a GT car, that was back in Grand Am days, and then uh, I was in GT cars in uh, the last year, 2013, and I was in the Daytona first time uh, with my dad, where we won the same incident, and then the following year, the one Grand Am uh, came into one championship, and then there was just one unified prototype class, that was the GTLM and then GTD, so uh, from last year to this year, like when um when you first started out and you got a chance to do you you started didn't you do some you did some pirelli challenge racing too right there for a while I just sent you a text. Um, you're kind of breaking up a little bit. Are you kind of like in a bad area there? Cause... Uh, is this any better? Yeah, that's much better. Much better. Okay. All right. Oh, <laughs> sorry about that. That's okay. So, uh, okay. So, like when so when you're racing the, the, the Pearl Challenge car, which is basically kind of, you know, more of a stock car, configured car, versus, you know, you're jumping up in the prototype car, is your, is your mind focus different? Yeah, it's a lot different. Um, the prototype is obviously, you know, aero-based. 
So a lot of downforce, a lot of power, um, and you have crash control. And then in the GT3 car, you have ABS as well, um, but steel brakes. Uh, so it's a much different experience. The braking is a lot easier. It's just basically push the pedal when you get to a certain break point, and the, the system does it all for you. So it's a much different experience, but both have their own challenges. And the prototype you're obviously looking in front of you the whole time because you're passing traffic. And then in GT, GT cars, you're looking in the mirror half the time because you've got the faster classes approaching. Okay. Now, the question I have is you're a young driver. You're up and coming. You're with all the tech. You have access to all the technology. Do you ever get in vintage cars, drive those cars, and and I know how, I know how the older drivers. I'm an older. I, I use I, I vintage race, road racing. And I've been club racing forever since the '70s. But so, for me as an old guy to get in a high tech car, it's like totally confusing. For you, a high tech oriented kind of guy, you get in an older car, or you have to more manhandle the car. Have you had that experience yet? I mean, growing up, kind of in the skip arbor stuff, uh, you, you got an idea. It was still H pattern. You still had the heel and toe and the shift. So, the basics. Um, when we started racing, we're there. So we had to learn sort of the old school way and style of racing. So I've kind of carried that a little bit throughout my career. I, I still write foot brake, um, which is old school. My teammate in Sebring is Alex Lynn from England, and he's an open wheel guy. And he he cannot believe that I, I brake with my right foot because for him, that's just crazy. Everything in, in open wheel and, and today's day and age is, is left foot braking. So I still like to think that I have some old school in me. Uh, the old the old BP cars um, were were pretty old school cars. They were tube frame. Uh, back in Grand Am, there was no no traction control, no ABS, and you did have to manhandle the car. It was a sequential sequential box, so you still had to blip on the downshifts. Uh, so it was, it was somewhat old school, but I think we still miss that sort of raw emotion of of what it was back in the IMSA GTP days in the early '90s when the guys were really having to throw the cars around themselves. The um, when when you drive the GTP car, you only have what maybe ten cars in your class versus if you're in the GT GT class, GT one, GT two, GTE, whatever they call it these days. Um, and you've got a field because you're in there with Aston Martin, you're in there with Ferraris, Corvettes, you're in there with Porsches, all kinds of stuff, and and Vipers and stuff like that, and Lambos. Do you because uh, uh, you have a crowded field, so it's obviously far more competitive, is it or is it not? I mean, each class, no matter how many cars there are, is, is pretty competitive. Um, it's not just about the quantity. It's about the quality of the field. And, you know, last year we had, you know, seven or eight full-time prototypes, but on every weekend five of those cars could win. And when you look at some of the – if you look at GTD, you've got 15 to 20 cars, and maybe only five of those can win. So the ratio is, is different, but, you know, the quality of the, of the front of the field is still very competitive. And this year I think we have 12 full-season cars in prototype. Um, probably, you know, 10 to 12 in GTLM and probably 20 in GTD. So, uh, there's a bit, a bit of a mixture in each class, but, you know, the quality in each field has some very high quality, you know, teams and drivers and cars. The strategy, strategy versus running, racing a GT car versus the GTP car, is that different for you guys? I mean, when you have your team meetings. Yeah, it is definitely different. I mean, in the World Challenge, you know, it's a 50-minute race, so... You know, you're pretty much flat out from the from the green flag, and then say, you know, we go to Sebring this week, and we have a 12 hour race. We just had our our fuel capacity lowered and our fuel timing, you know, raised. So we're probably gonna have to be saving fuel all race, and it'll change the style of driving and style that that our race strategist goes about it, because we're gonna have to be, you know, working the race a lot more from a strategy point of view than, you know, purely a speed point of view. Okay. Now, at the 24-hour race, you're driving 24 hours, you've got four drivers, and you switch, what, every two hours? Is that how it is? Is that your shift? Yeah, it, it depends. I mean, you, a stint is usually about 45 minutes, and, oh, okay. you, you know, you'd at least want to do two of those, so at least an hour and a half, and then if you're feeling good, you can do, you know, two hours, 15, or at most three hours. So the team usually, you know, we usually start off the race with an hour and a half, um, try not to tire each other out, and then kind of get into a rhythm in the night. And then usually you want to do, you know, either two hours to three hours each at night so you can give the other guys who are resting a little bit more time out of the car. So usually it depends on yellows, cautions, and how the drivers are feeling. Um, but that's usually how, how it goes. Okay. Now the 12-hour race, since that's half the duration, what's the, uh, what's the makeup of the uh, drivers uh, at that event? Uh, well, we'll have three guys in our cars. In our car, I think 
I think you're allowed up to four guys and as, as little as two. Um, but Sebring is, you know, it's, it's half the distance of Daytona. But I'd say it's just as much, if not more, physical and mentally demanding than, you know, than Daytona. You've got, you've got the bumps. You've got a very technical track. It's narrow. Uh, you've got the same amount of cars as Daytona, but on a much narrower and tighter, tighter circuit. So you're always busy. Um, it's usually really warm. Uh, midday so in the cars you know in the past we never had air conditioning or anything like that but this year i think we have we have ac to to help with that but you know when you get into the nighttime sebring doesn't have much track lighting so it's pitch black um, which is going to be mentally draining when you go out in daytona at night you know they've got great circuit lighting so it's pretty much daytime but just a different aspect of, of the race and you know that that kind of is unique about sebring where you know you want you want that battle Okay. Uh, other tracks around the country, name some of the ones that you really truthfully, truly enjoy, and then tell us the ones that you go, oh, gosh, i got to race this track again? Uh, I'd say my, my favorite tracks would be Daytona, really? Watkins Glen, and Road Atlanta, and probably VIR, which we haven't been to in a while. Uh, those tracks, I feel, you know, are old school, uh, high speed, still has a bit of a danger factor, but, you know, it's an enjoyable track for, for a driver. It's natural terrain, lots of elevation changes. Um, so it's really cool. Uh, I'd say tracks that I don't enjoy going to. Um, I mean, street, street courses are, are fun, but very challenging. Um, it's very high risk, high, high risk, you know, sometimes low reward. Um, so you have to find a good balance with that. So when you go to places like Long Beach or Detroit, you know, you're going to be on your toes at all times. Uh, if you want to get the lap time out of the car, if you want to make a pass, there's going to be some risk, and it's tough to find that balance. Interesting. Now, in the I don't think they do a GT race at um, at Coda, but they do do. They have done the Pro Light Challenge. Have you raced on Coda? Yeah, we've been going there since uh, 2013. I think we yeah. actually won there last year, um, and it, it's it's usually a good race at Coda. It's a it's a unique track. Um, obviously, very technical. Um, Formula One goes there, so it's a, a beautiful track, beautiful facility, um, and it makes it difficult uh, with the traffic because you get into one to the track, that first half of the track, which is all S's basically, um, you can get stuck behind a GT car there for, you know, for the whole section and lose, you know, three to four seconds. And in our style of racing, when you're in lap traffic, that that can make or break your race. Hmm. Um, Laguna Seca, you've been to that track. Yeah, we, we've been going there as well. Um, that's you know high on our list. We've we've always had good runs there. I think we've won, we won one year, and I think we've had two or three second place finishes. So it's kind of it's been a good track for us. Those uh, shorter distance races have always done well for us because um, it's a lot of it's down to execution and, and getting it done in the pits. And our guys, you know, on the Conicum and Ulta team, have always been very strong in, on pit stops and with strategy. So. As long as you can maintain track position, and when you go to a track like Laguna where it's difficult to pass, um, that that's usually a big plus. Okay. Now Elkhart Lake is a fast track. You know, it's four miles. So, what do you think of that one? Yeah, Road, Road America is good. We, unfortunately, we haven't had a ton of luck there in the past. I think we had uh, a steering rack fail one year. Um, last year, we finished third, which was good. Uh, but something always seems to happen. But it, but it is it is another one of those tracks that I would put in with. You know, the Road Atlanta's uh, walking sons of the world where, you know, it's an old school track built into the, you know, natural terrain of Wisconsin there and um, super high speed, lots of long straights, uh, iconic corners like the carousel and the kink. Uh, the kink is probably one of the most intense corners uh, that we that we have on the whole calendar. So everyone in the world um, knows the kink and, and that kind of is and unique about Road America. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right, we got a minute or two left. Tell us what uh, Jordan Taylor does when he's not racing and he's behind the wheel of a of a GTP car. Uh, I I mean, I live a quiet life. Uh, I live by myself here in Orlando with my dog, Fonzie. Um, you know, that's about it. I go to the gym. I've got a trainer uh, nearby. Uh, and we, we keep busy with, with stuff like this, with, with interviews between races. We've got a hospital visit tomorrow to go visit some kids before we head down to Sebring. Uh-huh. And that's about it. I I, uh, I have a simulator in my house from SimCraft that keeps me busy playing on iRacing between races to keep sharp. Um, but other than that, it's just a normal life.
about that? Well, I'll tell you what. I wish you the best of success this weekend. I will be down there on Sunday or Saturday with my son, so I look forward to meeting you. The other thing is, is next weekend, since you're in Orlando, at uh, the Mission Inn over in uh, in Howie in the Hills, as Festivals of Speed, if you can make it over there, you're cordially invited to be our guest. Perfect. Thank you. And then you can bring a race car over there. If you're in the, Are you into motorcycles at all, too, by any chance? Uh, I, I would get in big trouble if I rode a motorcycle. Okay, okay, okay. I'm, I'm guessing insurance says no. You can't race a motorcycle. You're uh, yeah. under contract. Okay. Well, cool. That's uh, that's exciting. All right. Well, hey, Jordan. I wish you the best of luck. Uh, why don't you give everybody a big shout out as far as uh, how they can follow you on social media and all that good stuff? Yeah. Well, I'm on on all social media that at Jordan Tim Taylor, uh, and then I'm also on Facebook with uh, with the page as well. Okay. Super. Well, say uh, hi to your brother. I don't know him, but just say hi to him anyway. And then obviously say hi to your dad. I don't know him either. I've met him before, but uh, I think I met him at the St. Pete Grand Prix when he was racing the Cadillac in uh, one of the challenge races here, but uh, as a, one of the support races for Indy uh, a number of years ago. Would that would that been correct? Uh, I think so. It would have been a while ago, though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was number like a four or five years ago. But uh, anyway, hey, I want to thank my special guest, Jordan Taylor. He's going to be driving. He's going to be powering the GTP Cadillac to the finish line at Sebring this weekend at the end of 12 hours. So, Jordan, best of luck to you and look forward to meeting you. All right, thank you. Take care. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't forget, if you want to find out and listen to the most fascinating and legendary names in motorsports, tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars every Tuesday evening between 7 and 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network. Don't forget, check out our website, GolfStreamMotorsports.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Find all the information on our website. In the meantime, I want to see some of you guys at the races this weekend, Gator Nationals and Sebring 12-Hour. In the meantime, stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. to be telling tales out of school, but there's a fella in there who'll pay you $10 if you sing into his can. Downtown Dave. I'm not here to make a record, you dumb cracker. They broadcast me out on the radio. WTAN, Clearwater. FM 106.1. WDCF, Dade City, Tampa Bay. WZHR, Zephyr Hills. FM 104.3. Listen. Listen.